0: You need Indeed.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of NFL Food for Thought right here on Roto Grinders. I am Justin Carlucci with my co-host, Will Priester, who is back. And we have a special guest, but we'll go to Will first. How are you, man? Good to have you back in the booth next to me here. Yeah,
2: man, doing good. Another week. And what I'm going to do is just cut myself off now and, and save all this hot sauce for when we get into the meat and potatoes
1: of this whole ordeal. Yeah, we're recording on Monday night here. We have plenty of ranting and overreactions and perspectives that we're going to get to. And we have TJ Lasing, who ironically lives in the Philadelphia area. So uh, he might have a lot to say about Monday night football as well. But TJ, it's awesome to have you back on. It was a blast doing the preview pod with you last season. And uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself if, if you're new to hearing TJ and uh, very busy at Roto Grinders and elsewhere. Um, a lot of new, uh, entrepreneurial type stuff you've been up to on Twitter. I've been uh, checking you out. So thanks for coming on.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me. A lot going on right now, middle of the Eagles game, Monday night football, some hot takes being spat prior to the podcast recording. So excited to see some of those make their way to air. And, uh, yeah, for those of you that, that don't know me, the and I did this show together last year and have been doing some PGA content at Roto grinders and then, uh, also doing some nft stuff with with my company called own the moment and we actually have our own uh, nft football fantasy football game there so uh, if anybody wants to check that out it's called the the owner's club it's, it's a fun, fun little twist on fantasy football
1: awesome stuff keep, keep up the good work and check tj out on twitter always uh, putting some good stuff out there and great pga mine does our premium value <laughs> article and we took a quick peek at the tournament coming up this week and uh Sam Burns is the highest-priced golfer, so good luck rating that
3: value article, TJ. Uh, it'll be a fun one. Always a blast when uh, Sam Burns is the apparently the best player in the field.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, something like that.
3: It's just been kind of a magical
1: September for football. Crowds are back. There's energy. College football's been amazing. NFL, we've had some phenomenal finishes, like you know coming right down to the Packers Niners on Sunday Night Football every other game has been brilliant you know Justin Tucker's doink hurt around the world against Detroit so uh, there's just been so much fun stuff it's good to have people back in the stands and uh, the environments have just been phenomenal we got to talk about elephant in the room that's our first segment big takeaways some things we're learning or maybe not learning from this previous week and Chief has been raring to go after his bye week from last podcast. He had to mute himself. He was so hyped up. So I'm going to give the mic over to Chief. What is one of your biggest elephants in the room from this previous week of NFL action, Chief? I mean, I think this is the biggest one that's
2: probably a lot of noise in my opinion. But the Kansas City Chiefs are under 500. What in the world is happening? They lost to the Baltimore Ravens who barely beat the Detroit Lions this week. I mean, NFL, so, so much can happen. I look, do I think the Chiefs are going to be a bad team at the end of the season? No, I do not. But as it stands right now, you know, overreaction, yes, this is an overreaction, but I'm still shocked. I don't think anyone expected the Chiefs to be one and two, and I don't think they expected them to lose to Baltimore or the Chargers. I think this is a big deal. Now, clearly, you know, they're playing the uh, <coughs> Philadelphia Eagles this week uh ironically and uh, man it, it, they're probably gonna be out for blood so i at least i think i'm right yeah the chiefs are going to philly uh at this point i, I, I might need to drive on up the pa and put a little money on philly because this the, the chiefs man let, let's let's go ahead and get that that rolling traveling across the country 1 p.m game gonna get real interesting uh I, I don't know. But anyway, that, that, that's one of my takeaways. And then secondly, just go ahead and pour one out for Christian McCaffrey for, for a few weeks because uh, he's out of there. Uh, Chuba Hubbard is going to be leading the backfield for the Panthers. And we're basically on our Texas tour right now uh, where we, we just kind of, you know, slid by Houston. And, and when I say slid by, I'm saying it wasn't a beat down that I anticipated. We just kind of methodically won the game. A lot of that, I think, was trying to adjust to Christian McCaffrey being out. But I do think those are two big things. I've got one more I will will throw in, and that is this. If the New York Giants did not beat the Atlanta Falcons, they might as well just hang up the cleats now. It's going to get real ugly for them. The division is a little better. They just can't buy a win. I mean, they had – The Washington Redskins – Washington football team, excuse me. Sorry, folks. Uh, On the ropes. Penalty, missed field goal. Washington kicks it. They lose. They had the Atlanta Falcons on the ropes. End of the game, they let Young-Waiku just kick them out of the the stadium – the New York Giants can't buy a win. This is a cursed franchise. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. This is a cursed franchise. Dave Gellum is not – he can't do anything with this team. I don't care who they get. They could go back and get Phil Simms for all they care. They're not winning any games. All right, I'm done. Uh,
1: back well, to you, my friend. Well, I'm going to pass it over to TJ because I know he wants to talk some birds and, and maybe the Chiefs. Uh, you, you've made a lot of good points. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people are feeling picking up what you're putting down, man. Uh, but it's OK. The Chiefs went out and signed Josh Gordon. So I found like the Band-Aid gif that you just put over the breaking water pipe. That'll just fix everything. Right. So, yeah, I was bring Josh Gordon. Boom. Stick it on the pipe. Everything's fine. Right. Uh, listen, As if they John- didn't
2: need another speedy receiver to take up more targets from from Kelsey and, and Tyreek. I well, mean, what?
1: Gee whiz. You know, you pull for Josh Gordon. Right. Amazing talent you know, just, uh, kept, kept as Stephen A would say, smoking the reefer, I guess. And you know what he, uh, you know, I, I, hope he is doing well and better, you know, um, hopefully he's in a better mental place. Cause you just want him to see, succeed as a person, not only as a football player, um, you know, Andy Reed, I mean, and by the way, it sounds like Andy Reed is, is doing better after, um, the medical scare he had after sunday but that's a pretty structured franchise to go to all things considered i mean you know they've had their issues you know with ty you know, I'm, I'm not comparing these the same things but like they uh, believe in structure i mean they cut kareem hunt pretty abruptly after that situation a few years ago and i know there's been some you know, other players on the roster and things like that but there's structure there there's a lot um a lot worse teams Josh Gordon could end up on where there's no accountability or structure. I, I really thought, you know, New England is another perfect place, you know, leadership, uh, just the tradition, you know, uh, Bill Belichick's a no nonsense guy. Bill Belichick has uh, revitalized a lot of careers and was kind of known for, um, you know, taking, giving guys second and third opportunities. So I'm super happy for Josh Gordon. I don't know how he's going to fit in this offense or when he'll learn the playbook or when he'll see the field, but, uh, I don't think he's going to fix the rest of the chief's problems, but it's a really great story. So, uh, good luck to Josh Gordon. So, uh, let's, let's hear it. TJ got anything to piggyback off
3: of, uh, what chief uh, brought up and what else do you got? Well, the Josh Gordon thing is actually an interesting segue because it's a ongoing joke with my friends that every time Josh Gordon comes up, I'm just like, come on, everybody, like, it always becomes this big thing and it's this big story of like, Oh, and then it's sad, but I just feel like we all know how it always ends up ending. Like, when he's on the field, he's, he is great. There's no doubt about that. Will he still be great now? I guess we'll, we'll find out soon. But uh, you know, for me, I just, you know, then everyone's like, Oh, you got to add him in your season long legs. And I, I just think I've had enough of the, of the Josh Gordon thing, you know, it's the fool, fool me once, fool me twice. I, I don't know how many times it's been at this point, but I do agree that there's probably not a, a better landing spot than, than in Kansas city. And uh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll push back on, on Will's, take on the – I mean, yeah, I, I am certainly shocked that they're one and two, but, like, they're still the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're still – if I had to take one team to to win the Super Bowl as of today, they're still the team that that I'm going with. They're still Patrick Mahomes when it comes down to it, playoff football, et cetera, et cetera. They're still the horses that I want to back there, but definitely not something I was expecting to have them two losses three, three weeks into the season. be interesting to see that. I think, in general, we're seeing a, a lot of kind of – parody across the league I think it's you know the the old cliche any given Sunday I feel like we're, we're really seeing that where you know with, with the exception of a couple of these teams that are just terrible at the bottom but towards the top I think there's a lot of a lot of different teams that the Rams are one that's really interesting to me and I, I would say one of my kind of elephant in the rooms is just Cooper Cup my goodness like is he going to be wide receiver one when this is all said and done it's it, him and Stafford just seem to really be clicking uh, i don't have the target share numbers but i know it's absolutely insane and uh yeah i think cooper cup is someone that that is gonna just be a, a staple in lineups and we'll, we'll probably see him start to creep up towards the most expensive prices we've ever seen for cup in terms of daily fantasy
2: i take care cooper cup was always wide receiver one in this offense
3: I, just... I i was saying wide receiver one in uh like in fantasy like oh oh like hey i'm going hot takes yeah 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 that would be yeah for sure i mean i I think he's definitely in the mix he's right there right now well (laughs) right now he definitely is but it's like obviously he was not going near wide receiver one in in preseason drafts but uh yeah he's just just a beast right now and and stafford seems to to really be clicking in that offense
1: well will i'll pass this over to you there's a million things we could talk about but Speaking of the Rams, how concerned on you on a scale of one for 10? Are you with the back end of this Tampa Bay defense? We saw Dak absolutely light them up in the opening week. I mean, Stafford cup. I mean, geez, that that was a, a signature win. I mean, that was a, a game that Stafford really needed on his resume. And, you know, that was a kind of prove your for real game. They look pretty freaking good. 340 plus yards and four scores for Matt Stafford. So what's your, like, are you worried about this Tampa Bay defense in the secondary? I'm not, believe it or not, they weren't that good at the beginning
2: of the year last year. I think people forget that. I think we just remember like their last five to six games into the season and kind of clicking and, you know, we're calling them a great defense, but I I think the same thing kind of happened last year where they kind of had to figure it out and eventually they figured it out and, you know, got their mojo going with Todd Bowles, and then all of a sudden they 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 were like shut shutdown defense. But you know, beginning of the season last year, similar thing. So I'm not I'm not really worried. Uh, I, I hope they continue to lose. Listen, my Panthers are in the NFC South. Let's let's keep let's keep rolling. What if I told you we were three and zero and leading the division? Uh, you know, that went over the Saints and Jameis, and so I, I, I'm very excited. Now, you know, will that continue this week when we play Dallas? We'll see. Uh, speaking of that because I know we're not, not really talking DFS so welcome to the pod folks we'll get there um, looking over the just the landscape of the league the Rams are three and0 the Cardinals are three and0 and then you hop over to and, and the the, uh, the Panthers are three and but then you hop to the AFC and then it, it gets you got some head scratches here because the Raiders and the Broncos are three two the Chargers are two and one and newsflash, flash folks, Uh, the Broncos and the Raiders may beat the the chiefs again. I know and we don't think this can happen, but I'm telling you, I I don't think they fixed these offensive line problems yet. Like if you just watch the game, like Patrick Mahomes is running around a lot more than he should. And I think that's contributing to some of these losses. They just can't get going. Like he's making some of these errant throws. You know, I saw him throw one the other day. He looked like Jameis Winston. Now, clearly, clearly Patrick Mahomes is not Jameis Winston. But I'm telling you, on that pick, I was like, what is he doing? He just kind of threw it out there, and the guy just ran under. It was like, thanks, Pat, going the other way. And so I'm very concerned for the Chiefs. Like, clearly, fantastic team. And, yeah, I'm not buying into the Raiders yet, but the Broncos have the defense. They don't have all the weapons, but defense can win late in the season. So I'm actually a little scared of the Chiefs. Like, right now, I'd be hammering – Chiefs not making it to the AFC championship. If I could get those odds somewhere. Like, I'd start hammering that right now.
1: Uh, Will's DMs are open if anybody wants a <laughs> side wager, apparently. Um, <laughs> but that, those those are interesting odds if uh, if we could find them somewhere. I, I got a question for you about the Carolina Panthers, and then we'll uh, hop on back over there to TJ, especially after watching uh, last week's game what is Robbie Anderson's actual role in this offense Tar- target market share week one, 9%, week two, 16%, week three, 6%. I thought for sure when McCaffrey was out, we'd see some more Anderson in that game. Now I know it's just one game and there's a lot of variance and so much goes into one game. Um, is he, you know, even the air yards last game, 2% of the air yard market share is he is, is obviously DJ Moore's getting peppered last week and throughout the whole season so far. So, is Anderson's role going to grow or is he more of a boomer bust option at this point chief i think you probably know the panthers panthers better than most people right now yeah at least for right now
2: i, I would say he's a he's a boomer bust option you know uh, the numbers don't lie there has been a quarterback change and i think we've got to adjust for that Teddy bridgewater's not there right um you know and so i, I think i think we've got to make that adjustment and a lot of it too i think is just route concept like i did see him drop one. But if you, you look at kind of the route concepts that they've been running, even last week when uh, Houston was kind of playing more so too deep coverage, they just kept running square ends for DJ Moore and he was just open. Now I saw, and then they, they're running Robbie Anderson on like a shallow cross underneath just to kind of occupy space. They stick him outside. Like it's just, I, I think it's quarterback change, route concept. I think they're trying to maybe cater to Darno's skill set. And while I know uh, Robbie Anderson can really, you know, he, he can take the top off of the roof, that's just not what they want Sam Darnold doing most of the game. I think they want him in more intermediate throws, and that's DJ Moore's specialty. And, and that's, what I, that's what I think is happening. When DJ Moore is open, I mean, all season, really, he's open like 70% of the time. It, it's crazy, which is why he gets so many targets. You look, it's like, oh, he's open again, just throw it to him. You know, and, and Robbie's running these weird, you know, just it's just weird route run. The, the route concepts for him just aren't what, the, what they were, I don't think. And so that, that's where I am with, with the Panthers. But we'll see. McCaffrey's gone, you know, so they don't have him to roll him on the backfield and occupy linebackers, you know, like, like they were doing. And we'll have to see what they do with uh, Chupa Hubbard and maybe that'll open it up. But what you have to do with a guy like Robbie – is maybe you don't play him in your, your main build, but eventually he's going to have one of those four-catch, 150-yard, two-touchdown games, and he's a guy you just have to keep in your build because he's going to hit 4,500, and they're going to say, uh, and then he's going to pop off, and everybody's going to say, God, I've been playing you for five weeks, and the week I don't play you, you go
1: off. Come on. You guys know how we do this. DJ, let me hear it. What, what do you got about the Panthers? and Give me another elephant in the room. <laughs>
3: Yeah, the Panthers. It's going to be interesting to see, obviously, without McCaffrey, major major hit to their offense. And another team, the, the same way. It's surprising to see the Chiefs at one and two. It's surprising to see the Panthers at three and zero. Oh, but Darnold seems to be doing much better in this offense. Yeah, I think with with Robbie Anderson, he's always been much more of that boom or bust kind of guy, where he'll have games that are complete duds, and then like was just said, can, can go off for for the the big plays, hundred plus and touchdowns, but. We may we may not see that in this offense with Darnold, but I, I do think that he's still someone in MME type large field tournaments where we still want to be looking his direction just because we know he has that ceiling that that not a lot of people have there. So yeah, it, we'll have to see kind of what the the tar- my, my guess is that DJ Moore might just get even more targets flowing his way with with McCaffrey gone and. When McCaffrey was out in past, in past years, it was always Mike Davis is is CMC light. So I'm curious if uh, we're going to see the same thing with Chubba Hubbard or are we going to uh, – yeah, I'm just curious what that role is going to look like and how that is going to be the next – how long is McCaffrey out for? Do we have a timetable yet?
2: Uh, he's oh. not on the IR. I would guess at least two to three weeks minimum. Yeah, yeah. I would guess – and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think they're going to turn – Chuba Hubbard and the Christian McCaffrey. I
3: don't think you. Oh well, you. I mean, yeah. I, I. I. I think that at least Mike Davis was like somewhat good. So I. I yeah, it'll be interesting to see well, what their offense looks. Well, like.
2: I think Chuba's good now, but I think it's a different skill set. Like you know, the guy was over two thousand in college. I, I, he's got some skill, but I don't think it's. Uh, it's. It, they're not going to give him five, six targets a game. Probably like two.
1: Makes sense. Um. So one of my elephants in the room is. The Washington football team might be defensively a lot worse than than what the industry was kind of the label they were giving them, I suppose. not only the fact that Josh Allen had his had his way, did whatever he wanted, it it did not matter. They made Daniel Jones look like a great play against Atlanta this week as well. <laughs> like coming off of that game against Washington, the giant the primetime game, Daniel Jones had a big run, made some good throws, looked control- <laughs> like he was in control of the offense, and um, he sure as hell didn't look like he was in control of anything against Atlanta. So I- I'm maybe starting to attack this Washington football team a little more um, in some of my bills just with how things are playing out. So uh, I'm a little concerned there. I-, I don't know. The Of course, just some terrible luck off the rip with Fitzpatrick and uh, you know uh, Heineke having trouble sustaining some drives. Um, and that game could have been even uglier if Gibson didn't have his splash play um, in that one. So that, that's kind of where I'm at TJ, any other big takeaways from, from the previous week here?
3: I'll give a little bit of a, of a selfish one here. And, and it's, it's related to my Eagles, but you know, it, the jury's still out on Jalen hurts and, and whether or not he can be the guy, but Carson Wentz is definitely not the guy. So we at least know that much. And uh you know, I'm, I'm jaded by my Philly sports, but it does always seem like in the past that people have left our teams and then gone on to have great success elsewhere. And, uh, you know, it makes me sleep a little bit better at night, knowing that that is just not going to happen with Wentz. I mean, he's, he's just as bad as he was the last year with the, with the Eagles. So that's, well, I, my, I need Wentz to have a
2: couple big games. I got some cards I got to unload.
3: Oh, no, Oh no, not a good <laughs> time to own
2: into cards. Yeah, we won't get into that discussion, but uh, <laughs> hopefully he'll have a couple, you know, two, 300, 300 yard passing games. And, you know, Carson his way out of my portfolio.
1: <laughs> uh, Chief, there's, we probably don't have enough time in the world to talk about quarterbacks. We're talking a little bit pre-show and it got kind of heated. I don't know. Do you want to talk about Ben Roethlisberger? Is that that the biggest uh, elephant in the room here? Listen. Are we firing up the engine right now?
2: Listen, folks, love Big Ben. Heck of a career. But he's not Tom Brady, okay? And he's definitely not Drew Brees. And Drew Brees knew last season that he needed to get out of town while he still had some dignity. And Ben needs to do the same thing. Like, seriously. he. So, look, I'm not a Steelers fan. My dad's a Steelers fan. And they're they're just certain teams, like Philly, the Steelers, Dallas, you know, the the, the original teams. They don't care that you've been there 20 years. And I think Ben's been there, what, 17, 18, I think? Is this his 18th season or 17th? It's one, one or the other, I think. And I love Ben but he's got to go. I think, I think Ben is costing this team games. And, and I mean that I legit think Ben Roethlisberger is costing this team. And so when you're uh, a veteran quarterback is costing you games that you better have one or the other, you better have a really good defense to where he can manufacture some wins late in the game and just kind of get the ball down, down the field and so they can kick a field goal or he better be good enough to overcome the defensive woes. It's got to be one or the other. It can't be, you know, in in Tom Brady's case, he was kind of able to do a, a little bit of both. Drew Brees wasn't able to get it done, as you can see at the end of his career, and it's the same thing. The Steelers' defense is not elite, and Ben can't – he just – he can't cover it up. So I think it's time for Ben to pass the torch. I'm not saying it's Mason Rudolph, and I'm definitely not – definitely. Not saying it's Dwayne Haskins, but they got to figure this out fast because you know they're going to be on, on their way to to an under five hundred season because there's no way they're going to beat Baltimore and Baltimore not is not even playing well yet. They're not going to beat Baltimore and they're definitely not beating Cleveland right now. So uh, their season is pretty much over in, in, in my opinion. They're they're toast. Like you know, we we want to talk about guys being dusty. Ben Roethlisberger is dusty. Like, he's in the coffin as we speak. Are they the worst team in that division right now? Oh, it's funny you should ask. I've got Uh, it pulled up. It's pretty funny. They just lost to the Bengals. They're not going to beat the Ravens, and they're definitely not beating the Browns. They're 1-2. and And who do they play this week? Let's find out, shall we?
1: Uh, Green Bay.
2: Do you you think they're going to beat Green Bay? They're 1-3 they're at the end of the week. Just go ahead and give them 1-3 right Well, now.
1: not only that, but the, the offensive line magically didn't get better just because they got Najee Harris and his 100% snap share from week one that we all know so very well. He's averaging three yards a carry. Nothing's going offensively for that team. No Deontay Johnson right now. Juju was out. Rib injury. Wasn't it a rib? Yeah, something like that. What, what, what's your panic meter at with the Steelers, uh, TJ? Oh,
3: there's no panic.
1: They're done. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I think, I, I think it's time for, for Ben to hang him up. I, I think it was, it was time before this season N- never should have, like you said, never, never should have rolled himself out there. Gotta, gotta see it coming before it gets too out of, out of hand. And it's just out of hand at this point. And uh, yeah, heading into Lambo is a tough spot for them. And I'll tell you what, Aaron Rodgers did not look super washed. I, I, I thought that that game was, was super fun to watch last night. And uh it was good to, good to see a little fire in, in Rodgers after the win, too. So I think and obviously that was the major story all off season and a bunch of drama going on there. But looks like looks like Rodgers is um, obviously not, not prime Rodgers, but I think they could make some noise throughout the entire season here and definitely expect Green Bay to be around come playoff time. Listen.
2: Can he- I squeeze in one more thing, Luke? I'm of so course sorry. You can. Listen, I missed last week, man. So I This kinda, is your had podcast too, chief. St- store it up here. If you take Aaron Rodgers and send him to Pittsburgh right now, they're probably leading the
1: division. Yeah, quarterbacks are yeah. important.
2: You get what I'm saying?
1: You send them like, to Philadelphia and they're leading the division. No, seriously. Th- th- I'm this is being real talk. too. Yeah, absolutely. I think Quez Watkins, the modern day MVS, baby. Like seriously. Like Devontae Smith could be his Alan Lazard. Everything would be great. Yeah. I mean, no, no. Well, Devontae would probably be I'm just I know. Uh I mean, not he'd funny. probably be That's Adams,
2: funny. actually. But uh, but seriously, though, man, you know, I, I like I said, this isn't a bash on Ben session. This is a do you want to win games, and if so, Ben isn't the answer. Like it's 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 just time, man. It, it, it was it was ugly Sunday, and it was ugly Week One. Like it, it's been ugly the whole time.
1: Speaking of, of Aaron Rodgers, that game, TJ, the that last drive, the way he the way he dropped back to pass on two of those huge throws, stood there. The Heat's coming. It looked like he didn't give a shit. He was holding the ball like a loaf of bread by his waist, just standing there and without stepping up in the pocket just uncorked two bombs that was like the baddest that confirmed as if it wasn't ready that he's a bad man like maybe the baddest man in the league that that had serious swag to it so talk to me about about that sequence real quick and where, where do you like how do you gauge the niners and are you calling for trey lance yet
3: yeah, I think Rogers just has all the swag. I mean, from that last drive all the way through to the post game interviews, like the man's just got swag. He doesn't cut his hair anymore. He looks like he doesn't shower anymore. Like he just does, he just does whatever he wants. He's just a man out there that literally is just gonna do whatever he wants. And sometimes the the most dangerous man is the one that literally does not give a single shit about anything. And uh, that's just what he looks like out there. It's like, hey, I'm I'm out here playing because I guess why not. And sometimes that, that can just be uh, lead to some good results. So lo- love to see that. And then, you know, th- the way he just looks for Adams on just about every play, especially if it's an important play, you need something. Uh, they essentially called that time out when, when Adams had the missile play it's just so that they could get him back into the game and then always, always look in that direction. But uh, yeah. He yeah, went, it'll, he it'll went through quote unquote
1: that. concussion protocol. Yeah. In 30 seconds.
3: In.
1: Jeez, <laughs> man. Oh
3: man. And yeah, you see,
2: okay. And- I'm holding up two fingers. All right, you're all right. Get back up. <laughs> yeah, there.
3: yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, come in here just so that we can say that we put you through the protocol <laughs> because we need you now. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the Trey Lance thing is, is interesting because, yeah, we're-, we're talking about Ben and how he's washed. But then on the other side of things, the rookie quarterbacks are having a tough start to the season across the board. I uh, saw that. I, I actually I-, I started Justin Fields in my season long league. This week, so that that did not go well, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's, and I guess everyone thinks this, but it's a matter of of when, not if, we start to see Trey Lance in there for for the Niners, and uh, I don't know what, what do you? I, I would say by week five or six, is that what we're expecting? Like, what's the not, what, not if
2: they're winning games? I, I don't that's see the it.
3: Thing, it's almost like they're it's almost killing them it. that they're gonna win games, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean Jimmy G not awful. It's right. not awful. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting spot. They've, they've got two better options than a lot of teams have for one single option.
1: Chief, do you, do you want any microphone time for Justin Fields? I'll, I'll give you the opportunity. Oh, and sure. Then, sure. Cause uh, I mean, I, I, I like Justin Fields. I love uh, me too. Me too. So I,
2: I, I like Trevor Lawrence. I like uh, uh, Matt Jones. But here's the thing. I don't ever overvalue rookie quarterbacks. I, I just, I, you know why? Because they need time, right? Like, they're, they're not running backs. You know, most of the time, if you look, and most NFL analysts will tell you, typically running backs come into the league and they're kind of ready to go, right? They're, they're just, it's just, it's an easier transition. Going from high school to college is elite at quarterback. Because, look, man, you, you guys will watch high school football, I mean, when, when a guy's elite, he's going to destroy a team that's just, you know, has average talent around it. And the same thing in college. When you go to Alabama or you go to Ohio State and, you know, you've got all these other five-star recruits around you, you're typically going to have a pretty easy time in college. When you come to the NFL, yeah, there's some bad teams, but in terms of talent, most people are on an even playing field. It comes down to coaching and culture and stuff like that, and the reason why I say that is because if you look at the Rams, they had about the same team before. Uh, uh, well, he was the wa- court coordinator for Washington at the time, but he comes in and he brings a different swag and he brings a different culture, and suddenly they start winning. And then they realize, hey, we need a quarterback change. You get Matthew Stafford out of Detroit, and suddenly he looks he looks like an MVP now. Like right, like culture and coaching matters in the NFL because everybody has talent. Everybody, you know, so my my point is, I think rookie quarterbacks are always overvalued. And so I think they all need time, some longer than others, right? Some longer than others.
1: And it's a shame because some of them will never get that opportunity. No, you think about this all the time. You get drafted into a terrible scheme and you you have your three years and you're done. We just talked about Ms. Trubisky. Will he ever get another chance? Is it Matt Nagy's fault? Where's the finger pointing? There was a lot of good material on the World Wide Web about Matt Nagy and people giving their takes, even on ESPN. Like they were going in. Yeah. Um, So it's a shame. Or any of
2: the Browns' former quarterbacks. I mean, they had like 20.
1: (laughs) TJ, do you have a lean on what coach gets fired first this year? Oh, if you have twenty dollars in your pocket, oh, who do you wow. put it on? Is it is it Matt Nagy? Is it Dan Campbell already football guy Dan Campbell? Is it you know? Is it who
3: who who is? It? I could definitely see Nagy being being very much on the hot seat, especially if it's you know figured out with Fields. Like they'll obviously if they need a scapegoat, it certainly can't be Fields. So it therefore would have to be Nagy. I think that's that's a pretty solid take right there. Is Joe Judge
1: remember. on the hot seat, Chief.
3: They're He's, try- three.
1: He's trying to create that culture, but he literally yeah. made a couple of guys quit. Like, like we're in middle school. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I, I don't know what culture. Like, I don't know yeah. if guys buy into that or or not.
2: That, that's
1: that's
2: that's that's the that's the line for this pod when we put it up. Uh, Food for thought podcast. Coach literally makes a guy quit. Like we're in middle school. Like that's that's, <laughs> that's the line. Here's what I would say. <laughs> In all seriousness, and this is like a sneaky one because I don't think it's it's really on the radar per se. It's not one that's on the radar. However, if the Seahawks don't win this year, you got to think we're getting close to the end of peak. I'm telling you, because you how many years has he gone now where it's it letting Russ cook and they they just don't get it done right. Like, at some point, they got to say, hey, man, it's been real, but we got to do something different. That's that's like a sneaky one for me because they're in a tough division this year. They're not better than the Rams, and they might not be better than the Cardinals, and they might not be better than the 49ers. Like, seriously. Think, I mean, just, just think about
1: it. I, I know. He <laughs> might be on the hot seat at the end of the season. We're still only – Three games into the season, which is a scary thought. If my if my Titans my Titans don't come all the way back, we might not be having this discussion right now. Um, Speaking of culture change, thank you, John Robinson, for stealing Ryan Tannehill. Got away from Adam Gase, and now he's a Pro Bowler. I just the Adam Gase memes this week were uh, were top notch too with his terrible track record, terrible culture. Oh, good Tannehill,
2: Darnold. Look, I mean, I know it's only three games. But I'm telling you, Darnold looks like a different. We are quarterback. reaping the benefits oh, yeah.
1: of of Adam Gase's, you know, outcast. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing. That's a great segue. The Pete Carroll thing. I want to yeah, recipe recipe go. recipe for success. Looking ahead here, you can still throw on the Seattle Seahawks. You have Absolutely. Ryan Tannehill going for three fifty last week. Kirk Cousins, so I had in one of my one fifty three max lineups with Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf and. Osborne so uh, I didn't I didn't get there but moral of the story is Kirk Cousins fantastic against Seattle and they have the San Francisco 49ers this week who we just talked about and that is extremely interesting to me because you can throw on Seattle and I guess you could do it I guess you could run on Seattle too but you can definitely have some splash plays. And I'm looking at this game and we finally saw Brandon Ayuk and Keith and I talked about it on the Sunday night show. We said, who's to say he's not going to play 85, 90% of the snaps. Finally, whatever the problem was with Shanahan was magically gone. He played 85% of the snaps or a little bit more and he's 5k against the Seattle team. So that was the perfect segue boys. So that is my first recipe for success. I am targeting a pass catcher probably as a one-off. I'm probably not using Jimmy G this week in in some of my tournament builds here. So that's, that's my first uh, piece of the recipe for success. So chief, I know you had a bye week and you're itching to go here. So give me one of your recipe for successes this week.
2: Yeah. I mean, no secret here. I'm just going to keep attacking the Jacksonville Jaguars until I can. This is, this is not a good football team right now. Um, Bengals are, you know, I mean, I know that's a Thursday night game, but. You know, th- this feels like loaded up for the Bengals. Just had a big win against the Steelers. Even though the Steelers aren't great, good division win. Um, so I-, I don't I don't think Jacksonville is a great team. So I- I'm out. Uh, last but not least, um, I- I'm going to give you two because I- that's the Thursday night game. And this one isn't sneaky, but I do think it could get, it's possible it could get overlooked. And that's the Bills and Texans. We just saw Josh Allen have his I'm not dead coming out party. I mean, just distributing the ball all around the field, right? I'm not dead. And and, <laughs> and, and here we go. Stephon Diggs hasn't had a big game yet. I think this is Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs week personally. Um, I mean, it feels like, and I'm not saying he's going to have 10 catches. I'm saying maybe six for 120 and two, like, you know what I'm saying? Emmanuel Sanders had it last week. I mean, heck, half the the team had like 12 catches. That's an exaggeration. But, I mean, Cole Beasley, they all had, what, at least five catches, I think, in that game. So I think this is going to be a big deal. Uh, They didn't take their foot off the gas. They just kept running it, kept pushing the ball down the field. If you don't think they're going to do the same thing against this Houston team, they'll probably score 28 points in the first half or close to it. So I, I, I like the Josh Allen-Stefan Diggs combination. I, I think it's going to be a big, big week for these guys. I mean, we saw what DJ Moore was able to get done. They're going to be in two deep coverage. That's the Lovey Smith special the whole game. Just sit in two deep coverage and let you keep throwing it, throwing it, throwing it, bend but don't break, and they're going to break because Stefan
1: Diggs is going to kill them. All right. You're shaking your head over there, TJ. We got to get. Uh, I
2: mean, Houston.
3: I love that. You know, I love my Josh Allen and the Bills.
1: Uh, I, th- that's
3: yeah. You know, last year, that was always the thing. Josh Allen MVP, uh, and they're they're an interesting team because typically you look at what are they, seventeen point favorites, and you think that they're just going to run it. But the, I mean, the Bills like to to air it out as much as they can. Like you said, they spread the ball about around there a lot of different people there. So definitely love love Buffalo. Is there anyone on Houston that you can even run? run yes. an Allen stack backwards, yes. Like you just, just r- run it back and let them pick up the garbage time points. Who's let your give, guy? You,
1: let me give you this nugget since that's why we, uh, you know, like a little chicken nugget because Chief always drops the nuggets. That's why it's the food for thought. Brandon Cooks is your current leader in air yard market share in the National Football League, and it didn't matter who's throwing the football. (laughs) There was nobody else on the field for Davis Mills. It was just Brandon Cooks running eight yard outs, and when it's PPR scoring, those points are adding up. So I am totally fine with running Brandon Cooks back in that game with that spread. You know, he'll be in there for three and a half quarters at least until it gets super ugly. (laughs) That that's my thought there. Um, Yeah, Brandon Cooks.
3: I agree. I think that's a a great option, Little Allen stack or double stack cooks on the run back yeah brandon cooks is 6400
2: not too expensive put up over 20 and three of the first three i mean all three games um i mean he he pretty much just got there on he he did score a touchdown against cleveland but he's just getting there on volume like he had 14 targets 11 targets with the with the extreme backup quarterback like it's it just doesn't matter
1: the game script's going to be there. They're going to stink more times than they're not going to stink. TJ, I'll, I'll ask you for your recipe for success in just a second, but quick shout out to Keith Eister, who I did the Sunday night showdown show with, he is not on Twitter. And I, I kind of make fun of him about, it. he's the most modest tout because he's just not on Twitter, but he, uh, I think he came in third in one of the smaller 153 maxes and he backdoor stacked the bills. He went Josh Allen, Cole Beasley and uh, uh, Sanders, I think. So uh cool way to be even extra unique there so shout out to him and uh yeah let me hear your one of your recipes for success tj yeah
3: i'm 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 looking at the games for this week right now and i'm also watching dallas and the eagles and i think that this this dallas carolina game definitely stands out to me 50 over under so it's you know kind of sitting in that fourth or fifth game on the board range which sometimes is a game that that can go overlooked And, I mean, it just seems like – and it seems like two offenses where you get condensed target shares, right? You've got Cooper and Lamb on the Dallas side, stack them up with Dak. If you want to throw Zeke in there as well, got a good option there. And then on the Carolina side, I mean, I I really think that with McCaffrey out, DJ Moore becomes even more of a super high floor, high ceiling type of play. If you want to throw the Robbie Anderson in 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 a larger field tournament, I think that that could work as well. Uh, just, yeah, I, I just like Dallas as a team to stack against because they are stack with because of the condensed target share. Big fan of Dak, even though it pains me because I'm an Eagles fan. But you got to take the bias out. And, yeah, that, that's definitely the first game that caught my eye as I was looking through this week.
2: I'd take get, get ready for Robbie Anderson and go off for one hundred and two. Yeah, just go, just I mean, go ahead and, and, and pencil it in now and save yourself the agony. Of feeling frustrated later because you played him the first the, the
1: week two against Houston, he did nothing 102 on that 5100, like
3: 5100 Robbie Anderson, 6600 for DJ Moore. So, I mean, 5100 is pretty pretty cheap for someone that has the ceiling that we know that he has. And that's the other thing I like about stacking up this game is that it's everyone's like reasonably priced, so it gives you kind of a nice, a nice balanced build. You're probably not gonna be able to jam in any of the super high oh. price guys with that lineup but you think you can make it work for sure
2: you know what i lied to you man and i don't listen I, I i practice honesty and i lied to you tj and i'm so sorry i just realized and this is something i didn't know which is which is so bad right chuba hubbard had five targets in that game Ooh. against houston oh that that's a big deal i mean if he's gonna get five and i mean he got 11 carries after mccaffrey went out so he probably gets 13 to 15 carries, five targets. We, 5, we're probably going to have to play him.
3: We're probably going to have to play him. So is that going to become like a chalky play by by the time this is all said and done? Do you I, think? I, I don't it's think not so like, it's not he's like he's 59. Yeah, exactly. If he was 4K, he, oh, yeah. They, but
2: 59, they've got him priced up enough yeah. to make you think. And so what I'm going to do now, I'm just going to look in that range. Like, you've got David Montgomery, who's going to be on the field a lot. Kareem Hunt, 6K, Chuba Hover. Gibson, 61 against Atlanta. He's going to be more oh, popular. Here we Swift go. at 62. Hold on. Don't steal
1: my thunder just yet. Chicago. Alexander Madison, what are we doing with him? What are we doing with him? Yeah, I mean. Cleveland? You go from Seattle to Cleveland, though, but 26 carries and eight targets? What are we, what yeah, are we doing I mean, with him, guys? I want to hear both your takes on Madison this week. <sighs>
2: I mean, if he's going to get the volume, you have to consider that that price. I mean, he's the guy. And, if, Cook uh, if Cook is out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, if Cook is out. But, yeah, I, I don't think Hubbard's going to be popular because of the price range he's in. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but Clyde Edwards-Solaire had a wake-up game at 4,800, and everybody thought he was dead, and we're like, hey, he's on the field like 80%. Like, eventually the touchdown variance is going to come. And he had a fumble. If he didn't lose the fumble, he's like twenty-two fantasy points.
1: And he's got so the, anyway, And he's got the Eagles, who we just watched get gashed. So yeah, rough, rough game.
2: But uh, but yeah, so TJ, I'm sorry, man. Chuba Hubbard didn't play. If it, I mean, if he's going to get five targets and fifteen and carries, y- you have to play him against this team because trust me. You know the the, the other thing is the Carolina defense has been fairly good this year. A lot of it's because they blitzed a lot. So we're, we're going to have to just figure out, is, is that going to burn us and just throw the ball where the guys aren't? Like, if he does, then it's a totally different game. If they don't pick up on these blitzes, we're going to have a chance to, to get in there. So we'll see.
3: I think Madison is going to be a great option to look at if Dalvin is out again. I mean, he basically gets the same workload that that Cook gets, if not almost more, because he's not there to take away any carries from Cook and like, obviously, if Dalvin Cook was 6600, it would be the the biggest free square of all time home against Cleveland. So I, I'm, I'm all about the Madison train. I mean, I, I think that, you know, even going back to to last season, he's, he's someone who whenever Dalvin is out, definitely a good option has a great workload, dual threat, involved in the passing game. So I imagine that he'll be he'll be chalky again. We also have Zeke right below him at sixty five hundred which is kind of interesting, so yeah, it seems like there, there's some options at the the running back position, but Madison definitely stands out as just being a slam dunk play in that range what 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 do you obviously you have takes on him what do you what do you think Luch?
1: I need to see some ownership projections, but you know yeah. i I think opportunity trumps matchup in any fantasy sport really um and he was a super catalyst to of that offense. Like did, that offense didn't miss a beat without Dalvin Cook. Like it was just insert, plug and play, r- running multiple types of screens for uh, for him, you know, complex screens, not just like, you know, drop back and throw, like roll out, fake one way and go the other. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested too. Another guy I like at running back in, you know, I guess this is probably going to be one of my recipes for success. And I'm wondering with all these, appetizing prices on some of these guys in the 6k range we talked about. Maybe Nick Chubb will kind of go under owned. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking here at 7k. I like the matchup and I think it's a really nice get right bounce back spot here. And I think we're going to see a ton of Gibson ownership. And like you said, Hubbard will definitely in Madison with the opportunities and Edwards Hilaire 5,400. So I think Chubb might kind of be one of the left out guys. Cause obviously up top you have, uh, Henry and you have Kamara against the lowly giants. So um, Chubb is a, a very interesting piece for me uh, this week recipe for success. Give me another one.
2: Cause we're on running back. I mean, you know, we've talked
1: about this guy
2: since after week one and Ben is in trouble. And I suspect he's going to start this week. Did anyone realize Najee Harris had 19 targets last week? <laughs>
1: 19. What is Ben? What is Ben's A dot? We have to look it up. Is ah, it is, ah, is it literally just line of scrimmage? Is that <laughs> is that where the ball's going? I, I'm not exaggerating,
2: by the way. This is not an exaggeration. Najee Harris had 19 targets, 14 catches for 102 yards. And it's because everybody's done. Like Juju was out, uh Deontay's out. Uh, and so they, they've got James Washington. Ray Ray McLeod was out there catching passes. I'm serious. 19 targets, 14 receptions, and now they're going to Green Bay where they're, they're absolutely going to be behind in this game. I, I didn't want to get on the Najee train, but after this, and it's going to be similar this week if Deontay and Juju are out again. Like, you got to think he's going to get at least 10, right? Like, you're not going to go you're not going to get 19 targets but he's probably going to get at least 10 which is probably like seven or eight catches at a minimum for probably 30 40 yards so i mean you got a guy at 6800 before before he even takes one rushing attempt he's probably starting with the floor of like 12
1: i just can't look at these numbers. no seriously
2: like this, this is these are facts i he can't start, look-
1: I just can't like, look at these numbers with a straight face. I, I I'm I'm trying to keep it together here. And I know like Najee Harris receiving back, his A dot last week was 0.05. <laughs> I'm serious. His target market share, I, I mean, his air yard market share was 0.3. So, ben is just immobile and just saying, hot potato, here here's the ball, Najee. So well <laughs>
3: I don't know. That's T.J., insane.
1: I I gotta hear your Najee Harris thoughts,
3: right? I now. mean, that's 19 targets is crazy. I, I did not know that. It, it's, yeah, it, it's almost like the, the Le'Veon Bell roll from back in the day. of. Just, By the way,
2: Chase Claypool had 15, just to give you a measuring stick. Like, ju- just to give you a measuring stick.
3: Claypool had 15 targets. Crazy. Yeah, I, I think uh, on, on DraftKings, anytime you have a running back that's getting that many targets, it's just guaranteed point here, point there, and then it, it adds up, gives them such a high floor. The ceiling's still not great just because the offense is just because they're bad. But uh, you know, I think if you're, if you're looking for a floor play, definitely something that you can go with there. And I'm certainly not playing any Ben, but you could even do like a, like a Rogers, Devonte Adams and then have Najee Harris as the, the bring back and just, just rack up those PPR points. But Man, yeah, the the, the workload's been there, but the efficiency is going to be a problem all year long, I would think. And if you're not going to get – you can't get 19 targets on any kind of consistent basis, right?
2: But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Or can you? I got to think with this team and if the guys are out again – because Deontay's definitely not going to be back this week. I think he gets at least 10 – like, that, that's what I have in my head. And only because I don't think I do not – they're probably going to be down, I would say, at least 17 points at some point in this game. That's what I'm saying. If he gets 10 targets and he catches seven to eight balls, I'm thinking he can squeeze 30 or 40 yards out of that. I know it's A-dots low, right? But he can still get a few yards after the catch. I mean, if he had eight catches and he's at three yards of pop, that's 24 yards. If he's at eight catches, forty yards—that's twelve points. Not even including his rushing attempts.
1: Madness. I, I'm just hoping for for the offense's sake that they take this week and try to scheme up something else. But they just might not be able. That might be out the window halfway through the first quarter if they're down fourteen nothing. Right. That that is certainly interesting. And Harris is priced up to eighty two hundred on FanDuel. Good lord, Cordell Patterson's six K on FanDuel, huh? Cordell Patterson, you know, the name the, the names we're talking about in week three here that are like somewhat fantasy relevant are um pretty crazy. Chief, uh, what else you got for? Me? We got about 10-15 minutes left in the pod here. Give yeah. me something else.
2: Last thing, I'm just committed to this guy the whole season until he he becomes a slate breaker. And it, it's another running back. I, I know this seems crazy, but believe it or not, Mike Davis is still getting serious volume. I know it feels like him and Cordero on even split. It's not quite even. He had 12 carries last week for 50 yards and four catches for 20 yards. Now, he's another one of those low dot guys. He's had six targets in week one, seven in week two, four in week three. The targets are going to be there, and the carries are going to be there. On the week where he scores two touchdowns, he's going for 25. So, at 5,100, I will say – I'm just going to keep playing Mike Davis at this point until the production catches up. It's kind of the, the Clyde Edwards, the uh, scenario where he's on the field, the production is going to come like, I'm not going to be results oriented with Mike Davis. I'm going to be uh, uh, analytically oriented and say, okay, if this guy's going to be on the field getting this type of attention. Then eventually the fantasy points are going to come at 5,100, I'm absolutely going to be back on the Mike Davis train.
1: Okay. Everybody it was high on him uh, during the season. Um, You know, the projections like them for a price thing, typically from week to week when you're running some optos just for the hell of it and just see what it spits out. So, yeah. I mean, TJ, got anything else? I I got maybe one or two more things, but if you want to bounce something off of me, go for it.
3: Yeah, I've got one. And it's actually something that we talked about a decent amount last year with regards to tight end. And I think it's more of a general thing, but I think a great strategy in tournaments is that you're either playing Travis Kelsey or you're throwing in a tight end with whatever your game stack is. Like, I think as a general rule of thumb, that's, that's a pretty good idea. And it doesn't like, it doesn't have to be anywhere near a core piece of your lineup. So we talked about a Josh Allen stack earlier, right? So you could go Allen, you can even go Allen digs and Sanders or Beasley, and then also put in, Dawson Knox as you know, kind of the super stack there, right. Or even put in, you know, whoever, whatever what are you got? Aikens on the other side. Like, I, I just think that in general, a that the tight end scoring is just so low across the board and B it's so unpredictable that adding in that, that correlation with the tight end, I think is, is generally a good spot. And also just kind of avoiding the, any mega chalk tight end that, that comes to be. And then Travis Kelsey is of course, just the exception, but I mean, he's 8,100. It's, it's crazy. The prices that he's getting to and like, is he worth it? <laughs> a lot of the time? Yes. But it just, it really crushes the rest of your lineup and you, and, and limits what you can do there. So that's my, my general take is that include the tight end in, in, in a part of your game stack. It doesn't have to be in every single lineup, but I think generally that's a, a good strategy to now,
1: That's a really good point. And uh, this might be a good Kyle Pitts get right. Finally spot. Eventually yeah. this week guys got all the talent in the world um two more Ooh, things can, can, can i can i plug in on, off, off tj here plug it in let's go I, I will say this
2: travis kelsey is the gpp play every week
3: yeah because no one ever plays him because of just what i said right. is he could play great oh but i can't afford him but then like right but but here's the he thing he gets 20 every game at least right
2: at least and he hasn't even hit a slate breaking hmm. point yet and his fantasy totals on DK 25, 26, and 20. And he's actually a better play than Tyreek every week.
1: I don't want to play. I don't want to a pen, ca- 10 right. pound bag of salt in open wounds here, but uh, you know, the, the ceiling game, it's uh it might be in the cards this week with the birds. And Did you see Dalton Dalton Schultz this, this week? I thought TVs. it was Kelsey. I thought
3: Schultz Look, was Kelsey
1: out there.
2: I, I will, so you can yeah. run it
3: back with Quez Watkins.
2: <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm a, I, I've am made so much money with Travis Kelsey, just playing him at tight end, because you can always find a 4K wide receiver to get there. Yeah. Like Noah Font, Kyle Pitts, we're like, oh, yeah, these guys are going to get there. And they just, they score eight points. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson, oh, man, targets are through the roof this year. And he scores three points. That should have been the elephant in the room. What happened to TJ Hawkins's targets? But not, neither here nor there, neither here nor there. So I, I really think, TJ, and you, I know you're onto it. The solution is, if you don't want crappy tight end play, play Travis Kelsey every week and just accept the one or two, 12 to 15 points he's going to give you, because most of the time he's going over 20. And if you look at any projection system, he's projected higher than pretty much every wide receiver every week. But we, don't, we just don't want to play them at tight end because, you know, it feels really bad. But with all these cheap receivers and cheap running backs, like it's worth it to just pay up for them and, and take your 25 points because you might be able to get 25 points out of your 5K running back this week.
1: And, and more times than not, it makes your build different right off the bat than the most of the field pay. Cause you know, look at the ownership projections. Like you guys said, a lot of people don't want to pay up and being different and, and unique. And just uh, in terms of, you know, who you need to fail every week, you know, their positions to take down a tournament. It uh, you know, this, this could be uh, setting up to be a, a good bounce back spot uh, for Kansas city. Um, I did want to mention two other things. I know we were just trashing the giants in the beginning of the show, but like we have to keep an eye on this injury report heading into this week. I, I mean, it's the saints and I don't know how to read the saints this year, but anytime, you know, with their issues, there could be some nice short fields for the giants too. And this is my last week for the giants. Okay. <laughs> um Listen, they were, uh, Shepard got hurt, killed a lot of people in, in GPP. Slayton got hurt. You know, things were not good. Kenny Galladay still only played 69% of the snaps and he was by far the alpha receiver on that roster on paper. So, you know, there were some reports li- lingering pre-lock that maybe he was going to be limited. But I, I think, you know, he is in that little 5K range too. And, you know, he might just have to man up if he wants to give any glimmer of hope to, to save the season or maybe save Joe Judge's job. But the other thing is, and Saquon was quietly pretty good, pretty popular piece in the builds, but, you know, had a decent amount of work, 16 carries. That offensive line still not great. He scored, but he had seven targets. So they finally were able to utilize him a little more in the past game. And if they really are going to be down Slayton and down Shepard and Galladay is only going to play 70% of the snaps potentially, then Barkley could have 10, 12 targets in this game, especially if there's, you know, if, if Danny Dams can't get Kadarius Tony open or any of these other guys who he didn't expect to be playing with. So, um, you know, it's not uh, my favorite matchup, but in terms of volume, I think Saquon uh, clearly was, was ready for a full workload. And he got a pretty full one. They um, healthy scratched Devontae Booker before lock last week. So I think that's interesting. And the other running back, which is, he was in a, a, a unique usage role, even more, which is kind of scary is, is Derek Henry uh, last week, AJ Brown and Julio Jones were both on the sideline for almost the entire second half um, EJ Brown has a hamstring problem. And my guess is he's probably not going to play against the jets. And he's probably not going to play the following week because the Buffalo bills are coming into town and in, in three weeks and Julio Jones, I, I don't know Vrabel, as usual coming from the bill of check coaching tree was really vague in his press conference. Why Jones was standing on the sideline with his helmet, you know, in in the second half, he might've played like three or four snaps. That's it. So Obviously, the Titans can really, you know, try to distance himself even more in this division. And Derrick Henry, whose workload is crazy already, but he's on the chase for two K and he's getting targets in the passing game now too. So he might even have a, even more of a usage bump, which should be a positive game script against the Jets. And you want to talk about potential for short fields? Zach Wilson threw what four picks last week or something like that. So there, there's more on many- the way. I mean, we're we're talking, it could be a three, and dare I say, maybe a hot take, maybe Henry scores four. Maybe Henry scores four times, and if there's anybody that can do it, uh, it, it could be him. So my my rant's done here. Just uh, got to watch that game for sure with Henry.
2: Yeah, I, I think Henry's going to be big time. And then uh, I will say this, Evan Ingham's 3K, and he had six targets. Ooh. I'm going to be honest with you. That, that has me almost wanting to go double tight end. Like I don't think I'm not playing Kelsey this week. I can I I can tell you that right now. I will have Travis Kelsey in my lineup. Guaranteed. The question is, do I play a 3K Evan Ingram on the backside and hope that he gets like 10 targets this week and goes like five for 50 and a touchdown? Or do I play Kadarius Toney or do I just do, you know, do I just kind of get off the board and do something different? Uh, because one of these other Giants is going to have to do something. Like, it can't be all Saquon. If Saquon's not getting 19 targets like Najee Harris, that why I can not? guarantee. You.
1: Why not? Najee we, Harris just had 19 do, targets. With a .03 do you, do you know
2: why? I
1: want you to tell me what. who's the offensive coordinator for the Giants. Who's the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, no, no. We're talking about the Giants. I had to Google him. It's Matt Canada. No, it's Jason Garrett. Mr. Clapathon, yeah. he's
2: not giving that man 19 targets. That I can assure. You.
1: TJ, uh, any, any uh closing thoughts with this conversation? I'm
3: not sure I can I can top anything there. So there it is. Saquon Barkley, 25 targets coming this week.
1: You heard it from TJ Lasig. <laughs> yeah. Guaranteed.
3: If I'm never back on this show, now you'll know why.
1: Guarantee. Well, you know, Evan Ingram in terms of the real-life game, still did stinking Evan Ingram things. Lost a critical fumble. Uh, Was it last year? I know you're – was it the Birds or the Dallas game? I know you keep track of the NFC's where he dropped the go-ahead touchdown in the breadbasket in the fourth that um, that was a critical late-season game. He just does Evan Ingram I would gladly take Evan Ingram on the Panthers right now with the departure of Dan Arnold. I guarantee you'd start catching balls. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That was a that was a fun show. So I know Chief, you've been gone for a while, and we'll we'll give TJ a, a couple of minutes to think. Of Since you
2: gone,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, that's my thing for the week. There it is. I had to throw a little story time segment in here. So what what what's going on? What anything uh, for the good? Uh, anything crazy happening going on in the life of the chief? Um.
2: Well, I, I think, and this this is going to be something actually about about my girls. Um. When you have kids, man, they just really put things in perspective for you sometimes. Because, um, man, they don't have a care in the world, right? They, they don't worry about anything. And so I took them to uh, this local cookie store we have called Twisted Sugar. And, uh, you know, they have all these, you know, different varieties and different things like that. And so just to see the look on their faces, just to get cookies... Like, it really made me think about, you know, how simple uh, simple and happy your life can be if you just focus on the little things. You know what I'm saying? Just just focus on the little things. And it's kind of the the same way with fantasy. Like, there's so much information out there, and there's so many things we can look at. There's so much we can do. But, you know, uh, kiss, man. Keep it simple, stupid. Is this defense bad? Yes. Can I target them? Yes. Okay. Insert player A here, B here. And don't try to put a circle into a square hole, a square peg, you know. Just keep it simple, man. You know, uh, we all we we said on this pod that you know we're gonna have some Millie winners and we are gonna take it down uh at some point this season. And I'm just gonna try to keep it simple the whole way. So all you fantasy fans out there, you know, you don't you don't have to play uh uh you know some random, you know weird play just just to win a milli like you look over these milli lineups yeah it might take one but a lot of times they just make the smart play you know they just make the smart play you play you play Justin Herbert and you play Mike Williams and you you stack the game and you see what happens right it's it's you know and sometimes we just we overthink it kids don't overthink it they just go and enjoy the cookie
1: so sure
3: you know what I'm saying
1: yeah that was a good one TJ, you
3: got any stories for us? Any stories? Well, I was I went to Penn State this weekend for the first time. First time in in a couple years. So that was my my alma mater, Ninny Lion. Would have been better to go to the prior game against against Auburn, but we had a a friend that was a Nova guy. So had a big group, went to Penn State, did the tailgates, and it it was good to be back into the college life. And then You know, at night I had to go through the experience of the bar that was cool when I was there has a different name now. So everything's different, but I still had to, you know, wait in line, wait in line for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, then eventually end up paying some bouncer 20 bucks to get in. And it was just great to, you know, you, you can't beat just feeling like you're 22 again until the next morning. Then it's, then it's terrible. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was it was it was a blast to to be back. A bunch of my college buddies were with me as well. So uh I guess it's not really a story, but that's just what was was top of mind for me. And uh yeah, that was my weekend this past weekend.
1: Hey, I I've spent some time at State College and uh fun spot uh one of my favorite sandwich places down there, uh late night sandwich places is uh, called Are You Hungry. <laughs> I'm familiar conversation for another day. (laughs) Um, But are you hungry? Great sandwich spot. We like to talk about food on the show. We'll get to a GPP food of the day in a second. My quick story time is I'll throw it over to the chief for the closing GPP food of the day is um, kind of like a little uh, recruitment action going on here. I'm in a a, a fantasy baseball auction league that my uh, great uncle founded in 1991. And I'm in second place and we're in the last week. I've been in it for like seven or eight years. Really deep league. I mean, we're talking 20-plus teams. The draft literally takes 12 hours. Um, But it's in Atlantic City, which is awesome. But because of the pandemic and everything, we did it on Zoom, and it was – kind of a circus this year, but we did it, but it's going to be so great to get back in person during um, a March madness weekend for our draft in either early April or late March. So if you have any, uh, any sharp players that are looking to, uh you know, interested in a, a, an awesome deep auction league with seriously rich tradition, like we have, we, people make a, a weekend out of it. So the Friday before the draft, the next day, we have a huge league dinner at the Borgata. Um, we typically do it at, um, oh my God, what's the name of the, of the steakhouse at the Borgata um, regardless it's, It's awesome. Uh, Old Homestead. So, uh, it's just such a tradition, you know, fun to have some competitive bidding face to face, you know, kind of high stakes, but nothing crazy. A couple hundred bucks for the entry fee, but uh, we're always looking for some new players. So if you're on the East coast, we actually have uh, a couple people from uh, North Carolina, shout out to uh, my friends, Jake Barton and, uh, Will Bryant, who actually, uh, work for daily fantasy insider. So it's cool that they uh, are finally in the league. And we have guys from Utah and, uh, out West coming in the league. So, so it's a blast. So if anybody's interested, uh, hit me up and TJ, I, I don't know what, you know, how much you play baseball, but I know you're in the area. So if you want to come party and put some bets in the sports book at the least, come on down to Atlantic city in, in early April next year.
3: Oh yeah. I'm always down for Atlantic city trip. That's for sure. Absolutely. Sounds talk, awesome.
1: Talk about being uh, you know, early twenties again, that'll uh, <laughs> bring back some good and, and bad. memories. But Anyway, GPP food of the day. And then we'll get out of here. Thanks for hanging with us. Chief, I know you got something cooking for us since uh, since you're back this week. We're going to the old b- ballpark. Hot dogs. Get your hot dogs.
2: Hot dogs. Uh, man, listen, so many ways, so many things you can do to a hot dog. I'm gonna be honest with you. I just can't beat a hot dog off my own grill. I mean, you know, you got Sonic, and you got, you know, down here we've got a spot called Fud Uh, You know, we, we've got a spot called Rushes. Like, we, we've got some hot dog places. You just can't beat one off your own grill, man. I'm serious. Like, I, I want to go in the store and buy my own personal pack. You know what I mean? Slap that thing on the grill. Ketchup, mustard, pickles, relish, onions, little melted cheese. Whatever your heart's desire. All the toppings are at the Chief's home, you know? And do it yourself. DIY. Do it yourself hot dogs.
1: Can't beat it. Can't beat it. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to follow that up, but there's nothing better than going to Yankee Stadium and paying 12 bucks for a hot dog. So uh, that, that's where I'm at. Oh, I,
2: gosh. I
1: haven't been to, the, to a game in so long in the in the, uh, the new stadium. And uh, hopefully they sneak in the wild card because, yeah, I'm from Long Island and I'm a little bit of a sports mutt. But, uh, man, Giancarlo Stanton this weekend, by the way. So I like a ballpark hot dog Yankee Stadium. Uh, TJ, what do you put on your hot
3: dog? Who has the best dog in the Philly area? Is there a spot? I don't know there's a particular spot. I mean, actually, the last time, last time I probably had a hot dog was uh, I went to Dollar Dog Night at the Phillies a couple, couple weeks back. So that was good. I'm also a big – I like to play golf, and I'm a big hot dog after the ninth hole kind of thing oh, at yeah. the golf course. It's like the perfect time for it, you know. And then, yeah, my hot dog, I, I'm a spicy mustard guy. Ideally, some chopped up onions on there, a little relish. Ooh. That 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 be my go-to hot dog right there, and I, I I'm I'm totally with you. I could like, I, aren't you like always supposed to eat one hot dog a year? Or some weird like stat like that, but f that. I I I big hot dog guy, and uh, if it takes a couple of years off the life, so be it.
1: <laughs> I know I saw that floating around the web too. Costco hot dogs, by the way, Costco hot dogs yeah. are uh, are a pretty good dog, and maybe you wouldn't think so, but man, Costco Listen, is is the way.
2: T- tell that to Joey Chestnut. By those standards, he's on his way out of here at, by the end of the year. Joey Chestnut's <laughs> just, just
1: crushing hot dogs every
2: season.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? What do you hit? What he hit? Seventy? I thought. I'm like, how? And how many years of life? Seventy five. I think. Was, Chief, how you? You know, if you're a hot dog connoisseur, or whatever. I don't know. How long has it taken you to eat seventy five hot dogs? Like how many years of life? Like how many hot dogs do you eat in a year? Seventy five. And how long would it in, take? Ten you minutes. Which just incredible. We are down a uh, rabbit hole right now but it's just, I just want to hear the response. <laughs> this is the pod. This is the pie. Uh how many years does it take me to eat 75
2: hot dogs? I know you're saying how long. I'm saying how many years cuz I can't eat that many. Uh I, I would go out on a limb and say it legit might take me 3 or 4 years to eat that many hot dogs. Maybe even 5. Like, you know, I eat them I only eat hot dogs mostly at cookouts. Like I said on my own grill like you know. Can't beat it. I, you know and i'll probably eat two or three that day and so you, you think you know two or three cookouts a year where i'm you know i'm really diving in that's about nine hot dogs you know so now, you know?
1: now we're getting analytical now we're getting all right tj uh thanks for joining us man it was a blast and uh where can the people find you on twitter and, uh, and your roto granders content, you know, I know you got a, a couple some golf stuff coming up. So uh, where can your stuff be found for RG?
3: Yep. Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at TJL5124DFS. And then for golf content, you can see me and do my rankings, expert survey, and then the value plays article that comes out on Tuesday nights where I give uh, my, my favorite six plays under 7,500 on DraftKings.
1: Good luck this week.
3: Yeah. I yeah, I gave it a brief look and then looked away. It was ugly. But uh, that's probably what I'll be taking a look at after this now.
1: Chief working the people find,
2: yeah. At Chief Justice06 on the Twitter machine and uh,
1: just catch me around the around the streets at Roto, man. Awesome stuff. Hit me up at the J Carlucci. Give us a like and subscribe on the pod. Give us some feedback, but most importantly, let us know. Where the best hot dog is, where you're at, because apparently we are uh, we're, we're taking up time talking about hot dogs today, and I love it. So uh, for TJ Lasig and Will Priester, I'm Justin Carlucci. Good luck this coming week, everybody.